When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. Back and better than ever, Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance. Huge day, Tiger on the prowl. Mike T has got a mock. Sneaky big news north of the border, and I have been attacked by a friend. We need to get into that and more. The hashtag crew is here. Let's go. Here we go. Only one place to start. And the one place to start will be with my buddy Mike T. Mr. Tannenbaum, the general manager of my team, has put together his own mock draft. And there are fascinating things in it as we sit here a month away from round one of the NFL draft, which I once again this year will have the privilege of hosting for ESPN. So Tannenbaum joins me for some straight talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. Good morning again, Mike Tannenbaum. Good morning. Good to be with you again. Well, Mike T, so so you have done um, the impossible, I, I guess, which is to say you have tried to figure out where the quarterbacks are going to go in this draft. And, and for those uh, folks who have not started diving into the draft this year, this is not like a year ago or practically any of the years in recent memory where we had a bunch of quarterbacks that were sure to go right at the beginning. This year, there are nothing but question marks next to the big quarterbacks in this draft. And the idea of where they will go and how early they will go, I think, is the most interesting thing about the upcoming round one. So, Mike, tell everybody where you put quarterbacks in round one. Yep. So starting at number six, this is a make or break year for Matt Rule and the Carolina Panthers. And I went with Kenny Pickett just because I felt like he was ready to go. I think he's a better football player than Sam Darnold. You know, he's a little bit older, Greeny, 24. He's had 49 career starts. You know, if you think of about a little bit of a better Kirk Cousins, you're getting a rock-solid player, not a great, but I think he comes in and he stabilizes the position for the Panthers. And the other quarterback, you only have two of them going in round one. Uh, actually, I take it back. You put a third one, snuck a third one in on me at the very end there, but the second one is Malik Willis, and you have him going to Pittsburgh? Yes, and the reason for that is I think he has great upside impeccable character great kid but he's 6-1 and he played at liberty so come in mike tomlin obviously does a great job as a head coach let him sit behind a great bridge quarterback and mitch trubisky and in a year from now i think you may have something really dynamic with willis because he could really throw the ball uh he could do everything he just played at a much lower level of competition at liberty and then at 32 if we go back to that golf trade between detroit and the rams the 32nd pick this year is Detroit. And here's what's fascinating, Greeny. If we go back over recent history, Teddy Bridgewater was the 32nd pick. Lamar Jackson was the 32nd pick. And that's consequential because you get the fifth year on the contract. So take a guy like Matt Corral from Ole Miss. He's a twitchy guy, super intriguing to me, got hurt in his last game, and let him sit for a year behind Jared Goff. And because you have five years, he, of all the quarterbacks, may be the best guy but he has a long way to go to polish up his game. Yeah, Matt Corral from uh, Old Miss. Uh, I had a long conversation with Eli about him at one point, and he does. He runs with the ball a lot, and, and so you've got three quarterbacks going in round one. As, as we look at the top of this draft, 
the reality is the two New York teams really have a lot of control over the top of the board because each of them have two picks right up near the top. The Jets will draft at four and at 10. The Giants will draft at five and at seven. We had a lot of people listening who are fans of those teams. Tell everyone who you have the Jets taking at four and 10. Yep. So Garrett Wilson, to me, he may be the best athlete in the draft. And Green, this is remarkable as a Jet fan. He only had two drops last year. He was targeted 102 times. Great hands. And the other thing is he can make people miss. So while they have other players there, not great. Berrios, I think Elijah Moore will be fine. This guy should come in, be a number one frontline guy with great athleticism. And then Jermaine Johnson, to me, he's a guy that is a really good football player. He's a good pass rusher. He's excellent against the run. He's rock solid. He transferred from Georgia. And I think he's a guy that's going to come in and be a 10-year starter. So that's what I have for the Jets in terms of the Giants. Let me stop uh, you there a second. Let me stop you there a second, Mike T, and we'll go back. Again, I want to make it clear for anyone listening. You have the Jets taking Garrett Wilson, the receiver from Ohio State, at at number four. Uh, most of the mock drafts that I have seen, and, and I've probably seen as many as literally anybody because of my prep work for this draft, have the kid from uh, Drake London, the kid from USC, as the first receiver off the board. Why do you have, why do you have uh, Garrett Wilson going ahead of Drake London in this draft, regardless of who's taking them? Yeah, uh, and, and Mel had a good comparison a couple of minutes ago. Like, if you think about Drake London, think about Mike Evans. You're, you're getting a basketball player. You're, you're getting someone that's big and physical. But I think for the Jets' perspective, and look, you watch them as much as anybody Green, they need a Tyreek Hill type. They need a game changer, someone that could score every time. And to me, that's the difference between Wilson and London. Okay, so it's, again, the smaller, much faster receiver who, as you point out, has great hands. Then, okay, take us to the Giants here. The Giants have picks at five and seven. Yeah, and here's what's interesting. I'm going with Evan Neal, tackle from Alabama. He has played 13 games at right tackle in 2020. So leave Andrew Thomas at left, put Evan Neal at right, and you should have bookend tackles for the next 10 years. So what's going to help Daniel Jones more than anything? A sturdy offensive line. Uh, Ikem Okwanu from NC State, I like him a lot. It's razor thin between those two guys. I give the slight edge to Evan Neal just because he's playing the SEC. I think he'll be tremendous, though. And um, coming back for the Giants, I'm going to take Kayvon Thibodeau. He's a twitchy edge rusher, 22 career sacks out of Oregon. And we've talked about the Giants for the last couple of years, Greeny. They're desperate need of an improved pass rush. So Kayvon Thibodeau is obviously a fascinating guy because – Going back to the beginning of this process, he was at number one on almost every board that I saw, and now you have him falling down as far as seven, and I've seen others that have him falling even further than that. Why? You know, there's a couple questions about his makeup, and I think when it's all said and done, we've probably beaten him up too much, we being the NFL ecosystem. You know, there was he did something at the combine he shouldn't have. He told the coaches he was going to work out, and then he didn't. I think if he just came in green and said, hey, I'm not working out. I'm going to do it at my pro day. That's probably a little bit more acceptable. And then, you know, there's some questions about love of game. But when you watch him play, he played hurt. He got hurt against Fresno State. I just think the whole body of work, when, when it's all said and done, the Giants would be really happy to have him. Yeah, and, and I would remind everyone that there were questions about Miles Garrett's love of the game at one time also. He went number one overall, and he might now might be one of the two or three best defensive players in the entire NFL. Greeny and Mike T with his mock draft, which you can see all of on ESPN.com. I'm, I'm very interested 
in a couple of things you did right near the top. There's a kid from Cincinnati, a corner, who you'll, you'll remember his name because his nickname is Sauce. Everyone calls him Sauce Gardner. His actual name is Ahmad Gardner. And I've seen every mock draft has him going high. You have him going number two overall. For, for the fans who haven't seen a lot of him, is he like a Revis-esque shutdown kind of corner? Because to go that high, it feels to me like he'd have to be that good. Yeah, he's actually more like Antonio Cromartie. He's that long. He's a basketball player, like from a build standpoint. Mm-hmm. He didn't give up a touchdown this year. And if I'm, if we remember Aaron Glenn, the great Jet corner, now the defensive coordinator, they need to be able to play man to man in Detroit. They have Jeff Okuda. He's been hurt, but Sauce Gardner could be a front line, dominating, difference making corner. And those guys to me are so valuable, Greeny, because if you could do that, even without pass rushers, you blitz and you have a chance to pressure the quarterback. All right, so that, that You have him again going number two overall. No one questions how good he is. I think a lot of people will look at your number three pick sideways also, and that's Kyle Hamilton, the safety out of Notre Dame, who people question whether or not a safety should go that high in the first place. And then he had the very bad 40 time. Uh, what did he run like four, seven or something like he, he ran a very comparatively slow 40, which I think also set off a lot of alarm bells, but obviously not for you. You have him going number three overall. How good is he? He's excellent. And really what I like about his game is versatility. He um, played 300 snaps at safety slot corner and in the box. And in this day and age, you got to be able to play man-to-man on the tight end, which he can do. He's a really good athlete. His time speed of that 4.59 greenie, I, I just don't think he plays that way. So I know that's a legitimate concern, but his versatility and his ability to play in space to me is why the only way you can take a safety that high is if they can do that. And he can play man-to-man and he could defend the deep part of the field. Four, five, nine. Thank you. I want to make sure that I have that right. And it's, it's telling because when you type in the name Kyle Hamilton into Google, the first thing that comes up is 40 time. That's like the first option that you have. So the whole, <laughs> the whole world sort of saw that and went crazy. Right, let, let's give folks sort of a, a bigger picture idea again. Mike Tannenbaum is with us here on ESPN Radio going through his mock draft, which you can see all of on ESPN.com. It's Straight Talk Wireless, no contract, no compromise. Where is this draft particularly good? So, so the fans whose teams have particular needs, where is the top of this draft particularly good? What positions? Wide receiver and Greeny, we've talked about this a lot on Get Up, which is could the receiver position actually become the next running back position, which is it's loaded, it seems like, every year. Do you have to pay a guy? And I think originally you think about Dallas with Amari Cooper, you know, they're sitting there at 24 saying, like, well, we love Amari Cooper, but the wide receiver we could get in this year's draft, like the Chris Olaves and the Jahan Dotsons of the world, they're going to be there. So, to me, it's receiver, receiver, receiver. And, and then and pass rusher as well. Like, are you high on these guys? Because there are a lot of them, but I can't make up my mind how high on them most people are. Yeah, that to me, it's not as much as others because I have big questions about Trayvon Walker. You know, one of the mistakes I made in my career was drafting Vernon Golston. And I think Trayvon Walker has a lot of athleticism, but he didn't have production. And that was Vernon Golston's fatal flaw. He had an incredible workout at Ohio State at the Combine. He really didn't have the production to match it, and obviously things didn't work out for him. And I'm not saying Walker's going to be Golston, but the lesson to me was make sure, especially in the top 10 greenie, that the production matches the athleticism. And then where is it weak? Where should fans whose teams 
have a pressing need be not feeling so good because this draft doesn't have it? The quarterback. I, and, you know, I, I just I'm, I struggle with the Sam Howells, the Desmond Ritters, the Carson Strongs. You know, we were in Mobile, Alabama all week for the Senior Bowl, and the weather was terrible. So from a scouting standpoint, that's excellent. And they all struggle down there. Malik Willis probably held serve the most. But if we were running an NFL team, gosh, Greeny, I just don't know how many answers when we're, it's all said and done will come from the quarterback position in this year's draft. Would you take a quarterback, any of these quarterbacks in the first round, if you were a general manager right now? I would take Corral at 32 because I'm super intrigued by his upside and his athleticism. Um, he's a little scattered, but I think you could coach that out of him. And to me, if he could sit for a year, again, if we were running a team and he could sit behind Jared Goff, Mitch Trubisky, I feel a lot much better about that than having to him go out on opening day. All right, we'll see if he does it. Mike T, again, the, the mock draft is up on ESPN.com. Thank you, my friend. I'll see you later. Okay, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. He's running off to first take. Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance. Save when you bundle auto, home, or motorcycle insurance. Visit Progressive.com. That quarterback we're talking about, Matt Corral, is 23 years old. He's out of Long Beach, California, originally committed to USC, flourished under Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss the last two years. In 23 games, he produced 64 touchdowns. He is third on the all-time school passing list behind Eli Manning and Bo Wallace. You saw him get hurt in the Sugar Bowl. He was carted off with a leg injury. Mercifully, it wasn't as bad as it looked at first. Great competitor, great athlete, but his size leads to concerns about durability. Those are the notes that I have on Matt Corral. Again, I, I can unload all of this stuff on you if you want me to. I spend almost all of my free time these days working on players uh, for the upcoming NFL draft. So as we get closer and closer, I can sprinkle some of that stuff in. In the meantime, most of the big stories from yesterday came from the NBA, including a game we need to dive deeply into because the gentleman seated to my left has reason to be distraught. I will explain why right after this. This is Greeny, and we're just getting started on ESPN Radio. Greeny, the podcast. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. I mentioned the assembled members of the hashtag crew. Uh, One of them, Bubba, is one of the most noted Seinfeld fans of anyone I've ever come across. So, Bubba, you will understand the reference I'm about to make, Bubs. But today I feel very much like even Steven. I have two friends. One of them is named Hembo and one of them is Nuno. One of them is up and one of them is down. (laughs) Because the Philadelphia 76ers played a huge referendum statement kind of game last night at home. The second they've had since they made the big trade. They had the Nets in the building a couple of weeks ago and got their souls taken away. And James Harden didn't even show up. Last night, they get the Bucks in the building. Harden does show up, and they lose anyway. Milwaukee goes in there. Giannis hangs 40 on them. And the Bucks beat the Sixers in their building by two. So, 
again, Bubba, you will appreciate this. I'm even Steven. I got Nuno. Yep. He's a Philly hater. He's in his glory today. We have Hembo. He is a Philly native, and he is very down in the dumps. How do you feel about this, Bubs? I agree. I think you got to check your pocket, see if you have $20 in there. Because, oh, that's right. That's right. In that episode. Okay, very good. Thank you. Now we're getting into the really deeply into the Seinfeld weeds here, uh, but that is well played. All right, so I'm going to actually let Nuno take it first before I let Hembo vent. Nuno, how are you? What were your emotions? First of all, you got your Portugal beat North Macedonia yesterday, so you Thank were God. very happy about that. Or else he wasn't going to be here. Huge. That was a big day. And then you saw the Sixers lose a heartbreaker at home last night. That was a good night for Nuno. It, it was. I think for me, I, I enjoy it because all these Philly fans, <laughs> they're despicable human beings. Like, they're nice people, but Here they're despicable go. human beings. Nice but, uh, but like. They they fooled themselves into thinking that James Harden was going to put him over the top, even though there is all this historical data. Hey, see, I can be a numbers guy, Hembo, uh, where it showed that anytime big games in the playoffs, uh, Harden has shrunk. And and what they're doing, they've just to me just proves that they're not there and they won't be there and for me who was antitrust the process it's just a beautiful thing that they'll never win a a title based upon the fact that they decided to tank season after season after season after season and made it acceptable in sports Mm. and this is what you get like you you're reaping what you sow and yeah you guys just aren't gonna win so let me turn to a nice person but a despicable human being and that would be hembo how did you wake up feeling this morning after the Sixers lost again last night? Horribly. I feel horrible this morning because there's always something with this team that I convinced myself would win a championship. On one night, it's James Harden just not showing up, as you described. Last night, it's Doc Rivers, Doc Rivers coaching as bad a game as you could possibly coach. Some nights with this team, it's you know, the bench doesn't show up because we, you know, we set all of our good bench players to the nets. But you're playing whack-a-mole with the Sixers right now, and I'm, I've lost so much confidence after the first week or two when it was the sweet honeymoon. It's regressing now, and I put that on coaching. Well, so last night, Doc, is really getting heavily questioned, and for anyone who didn't watch the game, I can give you in a nutshell exactly why. Because he takes Embiid out of the game and leaves him on the bench while Giannis is obliterating his team. And Embiid himself said after the game, you know, maybe next time we play, we should match up the minutes. In in the, I think it was, we had the stat, in the nine minutes that... uh, that Giannis is on the floor and Embiid is not. Did he score 19 points Yes, and he in those scored, nine minutes? Yes, and he scored 40 total. So 21 the rest of the game. Right. In those nine minutes, he scored 19 points. He completely took over the game, and yet Doc is just sitting there watching this happen. Now, again, it's a regular season game and all the rest of that, but the questions about Doc remain. And so I'm going to tell you exactly what you're going to get. Are you ready for what you're going to get? Hit me. Prepare to just transport Houston to your city of brotherly love. What's going to happen is the Sixers are going to get bounced early in the playoffs. I think they lose to any of these teams. So if they wind up in the first round with the Nets, I think they lose. I don't. Is there a scenario in which they could wind up with Boston in the first round? Not in the first round. It's not likely, right? Mm-mm. The Sixers are going to finish two or three? Probably. Is that right? But anywhere in the top four is still within reach here for, for all these teams. That's what I mean. Right. So like, I, 
I don't know that I think like I don't think Toronto beats them. I don't think that whoever it, Cleveland, who, Chicago. No, I don't think Chicago beats them. Then it's going to happen in the second round again. So, so then it'll happen in the second round, unless it's the Nets. We're good at losing in the second round. <laughs> We're great at that. Well, if, if 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 you do that, will clearly not be enough. And if it's the Nets, that's the worst case scenario. Oh. And th- there's no question what they will do. They will fire Doc. And Daryl Morey will give James Harden $250 million, and he will hire Mike D'Antoni to be his coach. And you will just be recreating what they did in Houston that, look, in fairness, came awfully close, awfully close in the Western Conference. Had it not been for an ill-timed injury to Chris Paul and or a just a, an absolute meltdown by Harden in a big game or two and or Kevin Durant signing with the Golden State Warriors when they were already the best team in the league, that might have won a championship. That might have won a championship. But that was a different James Harden than the James Harden we're seeing here in Philadelphia. That's correct. James Harden is that version of himself something like one in every three games. That, that's what the James Harden we're getting now. And Doc Rivers, candidly, is lucky to have his job right now. Doc... If had Ben Simmons not collapsed at the end of the Hawks series, Doc would have probably been fired because someone had to so bear the brunt of that. He has Ben Simmons to thank for the fact that he's coaching this team right now anyway. And to speak on behalf of the entire city, we don't want him anymore. Doc, you're we talking don't, we about don't, We don't want Doc anymore. <laughs> let me give you some numbers. And we got these from the Low Post podcast. But also, let me remind you, you can try the $45 Silver Unlimited plan from Straight Talk Wireless. With Nationwide 5G and America's Best Network, Straight Talk Wireless, no contract, no compromise. See terms and conditions at straighttalk.com. 5G-capable device required. Actual availability, coverage, and speed may vary. So Nuno was listening to the Low Post podcast, Zach Lowe's pod, and this stat came up. There are 132 players in the league that have attempted 200 layups and dunks. Three of those players are shooting below 50% for the season. Three of them out of 132. James Harden is one of those. And they talked about how Harden, he and Bobby Marks had a conversation, how Harden uses the ball as a weapon. He actually is hitting defenders with the basketball because he can't get by them. And I will say it, look, you know I love you and I don't have anything against Philly at all. I cannot believe I find myself in a position where I will be standing on a chair cheering for Kyrie Irving. But I could, after what he has done, never root for James Harden because here's what it is. He quits on Houston, gets himself what he wants, gets to Brooklyn. Quits on Brooklyn, get himself what he wants, goes to Philly. Is completely out of shape still and is going to cost the Sixers whatever it is they might win and is still going to get a $250 million contract extension from Philly. So I cannot possibly root against anyone more than I'm rooting against him and thus also you. It's hard for me to dispute any of that. I could live, I could endure (laughs) the James Harden experience if he was still James Harden. But what the Sixers did was trade for a power pitcher that has lost his fastball. Right. And so what has to happen now is that player must evolve. And the stat that you just mentioned, and the stat that Wendy mentioned on the show yesterday in which James Harden just is not blowing past people when he drives anymore, that demonstrates to me that James Harden has not yet evolved because he's playing the same way that he used to with just a lot less effectiveness. And what you have then is a not a great player. And so the, and so the 76ers are so uh, badly positioned now and in the future. So let me point out just the... If there's one thing that frustrates me, and Nuno, you are my VP of Basketball Insight, so I'm going to address this to you and you tell me what you think. I've become very frustrated 
with the excuse making around James Harden, which is to say, I don't want to hear about a hamstring injury he had last July. I don't want to hear about that. I don't want to hear about how he's logged a lot of minutes. LeBron James has logged more minutes than anybody that ever played the sport. James Harden is not in shape. The reason James Harden is not himself is because he is not in shape. He is not the consummate pro that all these other guys are who are spending a trillion dollars on their bodies and nutrition and all the rest of that. So let's just call it what it is. I don't know why there is this hesitancy to say it, but James Harden at the age of 32, which in the current NBA is not old at all in sports today, 32, you're still very much in your prime. And the reason he doesn't look like he is anymore is because he is not in the level of shape that the other NBA stars are in. Do you agree with that? And if you do, why are people so hesitant to say it? Yeah, I completely agree with you. I it's funny cuz he is he does so many unlikable things, right? That you that we've all talked about. The forcing his way out of multiple teams and by doing it and the way he does it, right? He gets fat, he gets these soft tissue injuries, he does you know, he doesn't uh work out, he doesn't um you know, get in shape and and he's being rewarded and we don't destroy him for it. And you would think because he is a or was a top 10 player in the league that he would get more vitriol from the media. But like we just kind of let it slide because we're so focused on Kyrie and LeBron and Kevin Durant and those guys that he is just our wrath should be directed more at him because what he's doing affects the on the court product for his team for fan bases uh and and so forth and for the nba like he's like i think the biggest thing and that he's done is he's turned off a lot of casual fans based upon the fact that he's constantly you know when he's not happy he's like i'm out right and it's and and he's he's like number one, number two in that movement that now has affected the NFL, and we kind of just let it slide. Well, it's not just that. I mean, let's face it. How often are you watching a basketball game that he's playing in, and you think to yourself, he looks like a person who is only playing in this game, or the fact that he's playing in this game is keeping him from other things he would much rather be doing. <laughs> Am I the only person who feels that way? LeBron James, say what you will about him, okay? There are LeBron haters out there, fine. I'm not his PR representative. I'm not here to tell But LeBron James, when he's playing a basketball game, looks like he is playing that game, and it is the most important thing in his world. And look at the shape that man is in at the age of 37. And look at the rest of the Look at Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant plays these games. They're playing Detroit last night. He went nuts. He's playing like his life depends on it. That's what the sport was. That's what the sport was. And in some places still is. And so the players who don't play that way, you'll have to forgive me, but it really rubs me the wrong it's way. It's already happened three times since the Sixers traded for him that I thought he didn't want to be on the floor. Yeah. On Sunday against Phoenix, he made two shots in 39 minutes. A week prior, he made no shots and turned the ball over a fourth time in the, four, in the fourth quarter to Toronto. In the Brooklyn game, he went 3 of 17 
and was minus 30. That was the biggest game he and played was, this And season. was in a club that night. That night. And after that game, after being humiliated at home by the team that traded him, after Kyrie Irving basically walked on the court and said, I got this guy. You all do whatever you want. And James Harden played a terrible game. They got blown out, and then he's out hanging out afterwards. And Stephen A., to his everlasting credit, called him out for it on NBA Countdown that weekend when I had him that weekend. And so, look, I mean, this, this, this to me is not defensible. And I don't, last night's not his fault. So we're not sitting here talking. He actually played a good game last night. He's not the reason they lost that game yesterday. But at the end of the day, he is, he is the reason that team is not going to get where it needs to go. He's been on my team for five weeks. I'm yearning for the days of Ben Simmons. <laughs> yearning. I would reverse the trade today if I could. Would you? I would reverse the trade today because if I could. you think you could do better. You, think, you don't want Simmons back. You want the asset back to trade it to someone else for someone else. That's right, because the asset I got is not the asset I thought I got. Okay. I tried to tell you. This is the one time. I've been telling you stuff for 10 years. You never listened to me. This is the one time I'm 100% right. I told you you don't want this guy. Hold on. Let me try this. <clears throat> yeah. I was wrong. Thank you. Thank you. You see, you're not old enough to remember Happy Days and the legendary character, the Fonz, but there was a legendary episode in which he had to try and say, I was wrong, and he couldn't get it out. He said, I was roo roo roo. Everyone my age in the audience right now is laughing along with me, and the only ones who remember it. I was roo roo roo. He can't say it. But you were wrong in this one, and Greeny was right. Hey, we got the ESPN Daily podcast, a deep dive into a big story every day from one of our reporters. It's presented by Supercuts, and it's available anywhere you enjoy your podcast. All right, coming up, I got sneaky big news Canadian style, and I got one guy in sports who confounds me because of the degree of animus that he seems to engender. I need an explanation. Greeny, the podcast. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. I need more significant help from you, however, than that. Because it was from you that I first started getting this sense. I want to make very clear as I set up this topic that I've met Carson Wentz in my entire life once This was after his rookie year in the NFL. He had a very good year in Philly. Mike and I were at the Super Bowl. I forget what city it was in that year, but whatever it was, as as everyone listening knows, you know, during Super Bowl week, they're constantly bringing people around to promote this or that or this or that. And Carson Wentz was one of those people. And I happen to remember for some reason that he was promoting Gatorade and he came by and he sat with Mike and me for 10 minutes and he seemed like a perfectly pleasant young man. I have no other impression of him whatsoever, except having watched him play as everyone else has. 
So I've seen the up and down roller coaster that has been his career. That said, it was from you right before his departure from Philadelphia that I first started getting the sense that there was a real level of animus that he had engendered amongst the fans. Far more than just the regular, he's not playing as well as we want him to. There was something about him that seemed to really get under your skin. And I attributed that, I will admit, to the Philly factor. We all know Philly fans can be particularly tough. And so I thought, well, that's just Philly. Then he gets to Indianapolis. Not only Jeff Saturday on our show, the biggest Colts fan I know, is begging and screaming for them to get him out of town. And now that he's out of town, the owner of the Colts, Jim Ursay, crushes him after he's gone. He said, for us, it was, quote, something that we'd had to move away from as a franchise. It was very obvious, end quote. And he says he's extremely grateful to the football gods that they moved away from him to Matt Ryan. And so I found myself thinking as I watched that, and Mike Tannenbaum and Rob Nikovich both were quite critical of the owner, of, of Jim Ursay for saying that after the guy's out the door. What is it? Let's try and have an honest conversation here. Take your emotion out of it. What is it about Wentz that engenders a level of animus that I feel like it goes well beyond the normal, well, he's just not as good as we thought he should be? Well, Carson Wentz... <laughs> has destroyed everything in his path. He has become the most destructive force in the NFL. So my feelings aside, I went back and read the reporting from Shefty when he left Philly Mm -hmm. and from The Athletic when he left Indy. Shefty reported at the end of 2020 that he and Doug Peterson, who was the head coach at the time, did not speak for what Shefty described as eight, nine, ten weeks. He ended his time in Philadelphia having not spoken with the head coach for more than two months, Mm -hmm. okay? Now, off the record, I heard some ridiculous things about how his teammates perceived him, so I think there's a lot of there there. As far as how it ended in Indy, reading the piece after he was traded, it was described as, over the course of the year, some grew frustrated at what they deemed a lack of leadership, a resistance to hard coaching, and a reckless style of play. There could be no greater indictment on a quarterback than those three things. And look, there's a reason why if you apply for a new job, they ask your former employers to write a letter or to provide their contact information to call you. Right. These teams have, the Eagles and, and Colts, have now paid him $50 million in consecutive years to play for someone else. To go away. And go that's away. it. And yet he's still a starting quarterback. Washington brings him in there to be their starter. Bubba, how do you read this? Do you share my belief? Because look, you, you, you are a, a Cowboys fan, you're a, a sports fan. You know what it's like when you just don't like a guy, when you, there's a player. But his own fans, the fans of his own teams, seem to have generated a, a dislike for him that feels personal. It, it feels much more specific and personal than normal to me. Bubba, do you feel the same way I do. Do you see and hear what I feel like I'm seeing and hearing? Yeah, I mean, I don't think I've seen anything like this. It seems crazy because, I mean, whether you're talking about the stuff where he's not talking to the coach or all those things, that's one thing. But I don't know why the fans or all those have to necessarily hate him that much. It just seems like they're taking it so far. I mean, it's not like he's that bad of a player. He's a solid player. 
it just doesn't seem to equate what he what he brings to the field and what, how much the hate is out there. So it seems like we're missing something. I don't know. It's, it's, that's it's, what I'm getting. It's, it's, it seems like there's something that we're not getting. That's like he's done something that like hasn't been. I don't know. It's it's way out there. I mean, for the longest time, the debate was always Dak versus Wentz and how good is Wentz. He's the greatest, and now everywhere he goes, he's just absolutely crushed. And it's just I've never seen anything like it. <laughs> that's it. You just hit on it, and and you just asked it better than I did. What is it that we don't know? Because he's not that bad. Like, Carson Wentz is not a great player. And he was drafted to be a great player, and he showed signs of being a great player. I get all of that. But we talk about him like he's the worst quarterback in the NFL. He's not the worst quarterback in the NFL. He's a very average quarterback in the NFL. He makes big mistakes. So do a lot of other quarterbacks in the NFL that we don't obliterate the way that we obliterate Carson Wentz. Do you understand what Bubba and I are saying? That it feels that now when you're what you're talking about, what the stuff his teammates say, that, you know, sort of on sometimes and mostly off the record, not talking to the coach, alienating everyone around him. That's the stuff that I'm talking about. There's something there, and I don't know what it is. Yeah, there's there's stuff that we don't see when when the Colts decided to trade him. Dan Orlovsky, who has long championed Carson Wentz, came on our show and effectively said. Look, this guy just might be a, must be a dud. Like he must be so deficient at leading that they're willing to effectively give away a league average starting quarterback. But the math equation doesn't make sense. I've I like you have never seen teams so eager to move on from a player who is seemingly not so bad. And when you talk about him as a person, this is not a person uh, mired in terrible legal troubles or anything of the kind like he has the kind of character based upon what we can tell that is almost beyond reproach which makes the whole thing even more puzzling so i don't know that we got anywhere with that but (laughs) it is it is something that i have just found confounding and i wonder if other people have felt the same way i'm greeny i'm presented by progressive insurance save on commercial auto insurance from progressive get a fast quote at progressivecommercial.com back in a flash espn radio Thanks for listening to Greeny the Podcast. You can listen live each weekday morning at 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio and see it with the video on ESPN+. Plus. Also catch Greeny on Get Up weekday mornings at 8 on ESPN and also available wherever you get your podcast. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today.